You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendell. Bax, I want to talk about Travion Henderson on today's show. As everybody listening to this show, I'm sure knows, Travion Henderson, a Buckeye commitment in the 2021 class, the number one ranked running back in the country. I don't think we talk about him enough, Bax. We're all excited about it, but his film is off the charts. If he was an uncommitted recruit right now that was considering Ohio State, every Buckeye fan would be going crazy wondering what he's going to do. And is Ohio State going to land the number one running back in the country? Well, they've landed the number one running back in the country. And I don't want people to, like, take it for granted. I mean, it is a – this kid, like I said, his film is off the charts. He's probably going to come in as a true freshman and at least play right away in 2021. I'm not saying he's going to start as a true freshman, but I could not be more excited about Travion Henderson. And I feel like we don't talk about him enough, Bax. No, he's like an afterthought. I suppose this is what happens, you know, like you're, you're always, uh, you, you got to watch those wandering eyes, I guess. The grass is greener somewhere else, right? We're always talking about, oh, who is it? are we going to get JTT? Are we going to get a Yuka out of Washington? Look at all this top 10, top 15 kids we're still in on. Well, we have one already on the, on, on, on the team. Like, you know, we just got Trevion Henderson a couple months ago and, uh, the other thing that impresses me about him is, is that aside from the fact that, like, we don't talk about him n- hardly at all. It's just, like, we're super thrilled about him, and that's it. But if you watch him the way he leads on uh, on social media with a lot of his other teammates, he's talking about how strong his commitment is to OSU. He's always interacting with the other guys. It seems like he and Evan Pryor, who – another guy we don't talk enough about. How, how badly would we have all, like, you know – done a lot of things that the that people wouldn't do for a Klondike bar to make sure that we had the number four running back in last year's class. So the, the, the way Henderson leads is impressive to me on its own. It's indicative of strong character, good work ethic. And when you have the kids that show that kind of tendency, even in high school, that makes you feel like they have a much stronger chance of them being a hit when they get to Columbus. So I agree. We don't talk nearly enough about Trevion Henderson. Um, I guess my only big question now is, is how is he as a recruiter? Because I hear we're chasing after the number one slash two kid in Virginia, Tristan Lee, that he's at the same, uh, the same uh, geographic area as. And I know depending on the ratings, each of them are both passing each other roughly around 10th in the country. So uh, I'll be even more impressive. He can go land us a really nice offensive lineman from his own state. That would be nice, and it would help him out too. Um, so hopefully that works out very well, and they could definitely use Tristan Lee in this class. They want four offensive linemen. They only have two. If they can get three studs, they already have two studs, with Donovan Jackson and Ben Crispin. If they can get Tristan Lee, then I think if they strike out on maybe some of the other top guys on their board, like Jagger Burton and some of the others, like, like Rocco Spindler, then maybe they could take a flyer on like a late-rising Ohio lineman late in the class. But you don't want two of those. You only want to take maybe one flyer on an offensive lineman. So they get Tristan Lee. That would be huge. So 
I yeah, don't even know if they're going to go for flyers this year, Dave, after last year where we took a lot of kids that may be considered flyers from Ohio. I think they're looking for more pedigree this cycle. Yeah, I agree. They definitely are. I mean, they want four studs. I'm just saying if they land three studs, but they want one more and they like a kid from Ohio that's you know maybe a late bloomer, I could see them going down that route. But I hear what you're saying, too. One more thing on Travion Henderson. We'll talk about Evan Pryor as well. Um, you brought up Evan Pryor. But Travion Henderson, the one thing, because like I see, I, he is like the best running back film I've ever seen. Now, I understand the level of competition there in Hopewell, Virginia might not be the best. Virginia as a whole has excellent high school football. But his level of competition might not be that good. But, man, I, I don't even care. I mean, he if his level of competition is not that good, I mean, he is just – he's dominating that competition. And he looks good when he goes to camps and, all, and everything like that. I mean, Charles Power from 24-7 Sports that he's the best running back prospect that he has seen in several years. I just can't say enough nice things about Travion Henderson, backs. You know what else is uh, another fun part about this is, is that we're talking about a kid, like you said, that – is over multiple cycles considered to be one of the top guys. Uh, the term for this that they use in hockey that I think we could apply here is a generational player. That means he doesn't come along every year. He comes along more frequently every five years, every 10 years, right? Um, that's your difference between like a LeBron and a Kyrie. Kyrie's darn good. LeBron is an all-timer. Well, this is the highest rated running back that 24-7 has seen in the last four years, five years, something like that effect. And – the reality is, is that that's how hyper elite recruiting looks is when you can go out and land anybody you want from states all over the country, right? Like Ohio state has done since urban Meyer came and has continued to Ryan day. It puts you in a position to frequently be in the discussion for the national championship. Now, as for the whole level of play thing, look, we, we've, we've talked about this in the past where if a kid comes from a place where he doesn't maybe have the highest level of play, then you have some concerns. Remember Shane Morris playing against crappy competition, looking awesome, but the second he played against real players, uh, Mr. Five-star in shorts turned into Mr. Two-star on the field. Well, this is a kid who his numbers are so just ridiculously overwhelming at a position where the competition stuff I think is a little less of a struggle than it is for other positions. It's not like he's a lineman in Connecticut power bombing a five foot 10 defensive end and looking like he's awesome because he's six, six and that's it. Right. It's not like he's a quarterback. He's just chucking the ball downfield to a wide open receiver. This is a running back who has the entire other team trying to tackle him. So I, I think that uh, that's a little bit of it. And I think the other side of this is, is that, like you said, Virginia has really good high school football. Uh, that's a state that's a, I would say a borderline top 10 state in the country for high school football. They've always had great players come out of there. And the part of the state that, that Henderson plays in isn't quite as, you know, dominant as, as a Virginia Beach, a Newport area, where some of the absolute legendary players from the state of Virginia have come out. It's not quite the, the, the you know, D.C. metro area, the DMV that our, our own Dan Rubin talks about so fondly, right, where you get guys like Chase Young and company that have popped out of that general region, right, even though Chase Young's from the Maryland side of D.C., the, the truth is, is Travion Henderson is competition concerns or not beyond excellent. This is a kid who's doing everything right on and off the field, it seems like. And again, I, there's a lot of kids that have the physical tools out there. There's not a lot of kids that already have the mental discipline at this age and have the, the, the tendency to be a leader. And that really excites me more than anything. Because how much have we talked about in recruiting, Dave, where we say, hey, you know, a four-star recruit means he has a much higher chance of turning out to be a great player in college. But sometimes three stars rise up. 
sometimes five stars bust. Well, I think the biggest indicator of how a kid's success is going to be at the college level, barring unfortunate unforeseen circumstances like injuries, right, is that how, how are they ready up top? How is their mental game? Because if their mental game matches their physical game, then you've got a real special player in your hands. That's what Travion Henderson looks like to me. No question about it. And you mentioned Evan Pryor, too. The Buckeyes are very fortunate to have him. He was ranked right around like the number four, number five, number six running back, depending on if you're looking at the 24-7 sports rankings or the 24-7 sports composite, which I'm sure most people listening to the show knows takes the 24-7 sports rankings, the rankings from rivals, and the rankings from ESPN and computes them all together and comes up with a, a composite ranking. Now Evan Pryor's been kind of reclassified to an all-purpose back. He's the number two all-purpose back in the country, and he'll play running back at Ohio State. So they have the number one running back in the country in Travion Henderson, the number two all-purpose back in the country in Evan Pryor. And this is not new news. They've had these guys for a couple of months. But again, I don't think we talk about these guys nearly enough. You brought up Evan Pryor earlier earlier he's from North Carolina he's playing against top competition and he looks good uh not as good as Travion Henderson I'll say that but I still love the Buckeyes have him and kudos to Tony Alford for getting two excellent running backs in this class you know the other thing about Evan Pryor's ranking so whenever he and Henderson were both officially in the class that week I went back in the bucket of bullets and did a, a really deep look back at the recruiting rankings in the history that we have of uh, school signing two top tailbacks, right? And the truth is, is moving him to the all-purpose back from from your from the the running backs uh, ranking, splitting him into the second category, makes this a little more difficult. But I'm going to go over what I came up with in that that analysis, anyways. So, famous tailback tandems in college football. I would argue in the last 20 years, the two most famous ones are Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams at Auburn, and Lendell White and Reggie Bush at USC. And there's been a lot of other great ones. We've had some good ones at OSU. The Beanie Wells and Antonio Pittman combo, certainly you never would turn your nose up at, right? Uh, Carlos Hyde with Zeke behind him was certainly the best backfield we've ever had. But it wasn't a tandem. That was – Carlos Hyde was the starter and Zeke was the guy waiting. So when I talk about tandems, I talk about two guys who played at the same time who were both major contributors at the same time. Well, looking at the recruiting rankings – going back all the way back into the early 2000s, the best example I could find of a comparison to what Ohio State has done in terms of not one, but two super elite running backs in the same class. There's only been three examples I've been able to find. Uh, The combination of uh, Reggie Bush and Lendell White was actually rated lower, if you can believe it. Lendell White was the ninth rated running back in the country, and Bush was the number one. So – Priors higher than the ninth, if you take it between, if he's the number two all-purpose back, that probably puts him in the top seven or eight of the total tailbacks. And obviously, Trevion Anderson is the number one. Uh, Penn State at one point had two top six tailbacks a couple years ago, but they were both ranked like fifth or sixth. That was one of only two other times that a school signed two of the top six tailbacks in the country in the same class. And the other one was Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown both of whom, if memory serves, ended up being first-round NFL draft picks on a loaded Auburn team that easily could have won a national championship. So it's not just that we have two really good tailbacks. It's that it's really hard historically for schools, no matter where they're at, to sign two tailbacks of this caliber in the same class. Like I said earlier, we would have jumped through hoops to get Evan Pryor as the running back in last year's class. Last year's class was uh, the sort of – 
storm that we had to make our way through. That was the perseverance. That was the journey to get to the end destination of this wonderful, wonderful class. And Evan Pryor is going to be an excellent player too. Uh, I, I really like him as well. And if you bring him in at the same time with a guy like Trevion Henderson, anybody who's ever played sports knows that if you have somebody who you're chasing, it makes you better, right? Uh, no matter what level of sport you play, there's always the guy who's a year older or a step ahead of you. And he's the one you want to catch up to. And if the top kid is able to push himself without, you know, if he can be the pace setter, versus like the guy who just gets happy and, and rested on his laurels that he's the guy at the front of the chase, then man, you can really help pull that second guy up to his level. So this is a historic running back haul on a number of levels. And you could argue that it's the highest rated running back tandem outside of Williams and Brown ever in terms at least of modern recruiting, which only goes back to about 2000 whenever all the rankings and everything else came into effect. So, yeah, this is a running back class that we should be really excited about because it's not just, yay, we have some good players. It's, wow, we have some really, really highly rated players who seem to exhibit some of the key tendencies that lead us to believe that they're not going to be busts, but they're going to be highly successful in college. And they're rated at a level where almost nobody else has pulled in multiple players of this caliber in one class. I love it. We could talk about those two young men uh, for about an hour. Let's, uh, let's switch gears, though, and, and talk about your confidence level in regard to whether we'll have a college football season. The reason I ask is I was worried about it there for a couple months, and then I got real cocky over about maybe the last four weeks. I said on the show when we had G. Scott Sr. on about a week and a half or two and a half weeks ago, I made the comment I'm 99.9% sure we're going to have a college football season. And then we started getting all the word of, you know, here and there, t players are tested positive for the coronavirus. Then Clemson had 23 players test positive. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, the good news, I guess, is that it's happening now and not in August. Maybe these kids can get it. And assuming that you can't get it twice, which I know there's still some debate about that. Um, I still think we're going to have college football. But I, ha you know, I have to admit, my 99.9% .9 was probably a little uh, foolish to, to say that and to feel that way. I'm definitely not that confident now. Bax. You're the voice of reason here. At least I'm going to pretend like you are. What is your confidence level we're going to have a college football season this year? 99.8%. How's that sound? <laughs> I like it. Good. Let's Look, sign me up. Let's be real here. Like, you know why we're getting all these positive tests for kids who don't show any symptoms? Because they're forced to take tests when they get back on campus. We had 4 million tests in this country last week. It took us like a month and a half to get 4 million total tests at the start of this. Whenever you have all these kids who are coming back in and they're actively safeguarding against it, then kids who aren't showing any symptoms whatsoever are going to end up testing positive. The truth of the matter is, is that I'm not as concerned about the well-being of the football players as I am about the staff and the coaches around them. You know how many Americans in this whole country of 330-plus million people have died between the ages of 15 and 24, according to the CDC, of coronavirus since it started? 125 out of 330 million people. So what is the segment of 15 to 24 in American? Is that 50 million, 70 million? I don't know. But this is a shockingly tiny number. As I think all of us are aware at this point, this is a disease that largely affects the elderly 
the people who have high blood pressure, that sort of thing. So older coaches are certainly a concern for me. But all the players, look, they're testing positive now because they have the ability to test them. It's not that any of these players are sitting here struggling on ventilators and stuff because they got back on campus. Positive tests are going to be part of our scenario as testing becomes more and more and more widespread. You just wait until the test isn't a 14-foot-long Q-tip they put up your nose and poke their brain with. All right, as soon as this is a saliva swab, everybody in America is going to be tested for it once a week, right? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if most of these teams started going to the blood testing to test for antibodies. You're going to have near daily testing just be part of life for a lot of these players and teams as you get closer to the season. This also comes back to that much reviled Buckeye pledge that ESPN was trying to make a fake controversy about. Remember what it said. It said to try to be respectful of other space, try to follow guidelines that are, are of social distancing, try to keep yourself out of situations where you could potentially contract the virus. Well, guess what? That personal responsibility is going to manifest itself in the situation of fewer 14-foot-long Q-tips going into your head if you're a football player. This is where that personal responsibility comes in so that you don't have to worry about testing positive. Now, the flip side of this, and I've made this joke, and I know some other people have made this joke too, is that it almost feels like you'd rather them all get it now, right? I hope everybody at OSU's football team gets coronavirus. We shut the facility down for a week, and the entire team has an immunity against it. Kind of like when your parents made you get chicken pox in second grade so you didn't get it as an adult. Uh, now, they're not going to willingly expose anybody to this, right? But on the flip side, Clemson having 23 kids who got it, that's a quarter of their 100-person roster, right? I mean, that's more than a quarter of their scholarship limit. So them getting it now means they're almost certainly not going to get it during the season if you can't get it twice, right, if your antibodies hold long enough. So it's almost a good thing that they're getting it in June. And I think that's going to be a legitimate discussion is we have all these HIPAA laws, all these privacy rules that you have to follow that say you can't, you know, get too far into other people's health issues. But if you're, I think there would be a legitimate way, if you're a gambler at this point, wouldn't you love to know what percentage of each team has the antibodies already? Because it's going to guide you, right? Like how much better would we all feel if Justin Fields announced publicly? So it turns out at some point I had coronavirus. I've got all the antibodies. The T cells appear to be activated against it in my bloodstream. The serology indicates I've already had it and I can't get it again. We'd all be giggling. You know what I mean? And I hate to treat like, you know, infectious disease technology and, and, and testing results as a competitive football related thing, because it's a much bigger concern for folks who are, are much more, uh, I guess, at risk for this disease. Right. But from the context of a college football season, which is what we're talking about it here, you know, the truth is, is you almost hope all these guys have gotten it already or like get it in the next month because then the program itself is sort of insulated from any of the concerns you may have about coronavirus. Uh, I genuinely believe, too, with the level of testing we're seeing and the continual increase we're going to have, you're going to have players testing on Monday and then Wednesday and then Thursday during the week, right? They have to be clear 48 hours before a game, and then they'll test them Sunday, and they'll test them Tuesday, and then they'll test them Thursday. And you're going to see it where it's, you know, somebody may have it on a, on a Monday. And then the next test they take, they don't have it anymore, so they're cleared to play. As long as they're cleared 48 hours before the game. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of protocol like that. So positive COVID testing, uh, that's going to be a boarding house item for the rest of the year. 
but the truth is it's going to happen. And for kids at that age, the truth is it's, it's statistically speaking, very unlikely to affect them in a major negative fashion. Very well said. And I like your 99.8% prediction, although that's a 10th of a point off from what I said on the show two and a half weeks ago, I will still take 99.8%. We will have a college football season. Great stuff as always from the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column Every Sunday, it is the aforementioned bucket of bullets. Thank you to Bax, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.